This is the CineSnob Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 259 of the CineSnob Podcast. I am Jared Kingery. I'm Cody Viafania. Cody, um, it's a sad uh, day, so sad time, yeah. sad time frame for uh, the poster uh, collecting community, which you and I are a uh, part of. Um, yep. That being uh, alternative movie posters, I think is the, the proper term. AMPs. AMPs. Um, it was announced on, was it Friday already? Yeah, Friday. I think so, yeah. Um, that uh, Funko, the brand that purchased Mondo, uh, which is kind of the genesis of all of this alternative movie poster hobby, um, had laid off the uh, entire poster staff, I guess, including the, the founders. I can't remember what the... Yeah, it was two founders and the cre- senior creative director from Mondo. Um, reports say that that they were shuttering the poster business initially. Um, there's been other reports that says, no, the poster business will continue, mm-hmm. which is kind of the whole, would be the whole reason for buying Mondo, I would assume. Right. Um, there's also a toy and vinyl um, division that will still run. Um, there is a Mondo toy in the shot right there, the Batman, the animated series, mm-hmm. um, one six scale figure. But um, a lot of uh, the poster collecting community, which um, you and I are part of multiple Facebook groups concerning, are very, very sad about this and very, yeah. very angry at Funko uh, for. Um, what's your your take on this? kind of off the cuff yeah i mean it's it's something that you know came as a surprise certainly i mean especially because this acquisition happened less than a year ago mm-hmm. um you know and uh and i think you know when when it happened there was i think there was some concern from from the from the faithful of mondo you know just because to get kind of swallowed by a conglomerate that it's sort of like, uh, you know, the whole point of Mondo is that they mass manufacture, or excuse me, the whole point of Funko is they mass manufacture these kind of plasticky toys. Um, Which and, there are several behind me, too. Yes, uh, I've got some in, in the other room um, mm-hmm. myself. Uh, but, you know, it does. It didn't exactly, like, match up with the sort of boutique element of what Mondo is and always has been, which is limited edition alternative artwork, limited mm-hmm. edition toys, limited edition vinyl, you know. Um, so... You know, I think when it happened, people were hopeful that that maybe and you and I talked about this, but like maybe it would open up the IP library a little bit, and and you know, yeah, Funko Fun- obviously can license whatever they want. I mean, yeah, they there's uh, Kenny Powers behind me somewhere, yeah. right there, like mixed with Power Rangers, mixed with Bob's Big Boy. I mean, I have um, four Ghost, uh, my favorite bands, <laughs> Funko. So like- I have I have the Step Brothers. I have uh, uh, Brennan Huff and Dale Doback somewhere yeah. in here. Yeah, so so the, their licensing arm is long-reaching, and so I think there was some hopefulness that maybe like this would increase things, maybe more timed edition stuff, you know, to help make some money for for a, a, com- a big company like that. And then, you know, it's been weird because over the time, you know, from the acquisition to now, Mondo has been pretty quiet in that the the releases have gotten fewer and far between. Um, uh, you know, there has been a little bit more of an emphasis on the toy side of things. I think within recent uh, months and within the last year, uh, you know the the gallery shut down. I don't. I believe that was within. It that. was uh, well. It it shut down. Um, COVID uh, COVID killed it forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and to be to, so for some background, uh, Mondo was owned by Alamo Draft House, right? Which filed for bankruptcy due to COVID, 
and this was part of their they sold off Mondo. I, I read for fourteen million in another mm-hmm. article, but that was part of the deal was that that Mondo kind of helped the company survive, but coming out of bankruptcy, they needed to to make some cash. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, so the gallery's been gone. Uh, I don't think it's. I don't think there was a gallery show since 2019. There was something that got canceled like right as mm-hmm. COVID started in 2020, and I believe that was the gallery is something else now. Yeah, but but you and I had talked about this, you know, privately. But like you know, the the cracks in Mondo have been showing for some time now. You know, I think you know that I, th- I think the first Mondo con that I went to and that we went to was like the third one, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe, which, yeah, I believe which, so. Which was like at the Austin Film Society and then across fr- uh, at a hotel. Mm-hmm. And like that year was like peak Mondo for me, which is like, MondoCon was a great event. I mean, that first year was really, really good. Um, and you had like, you know, the, the Mondo was firing out um, uh, like, lim- uh, like exclusive prints for that event. Like there were dozens of them, surprise screening posters from that event. Um, mm-hmm. you know, there, the gallery was in full swing, um, around that time, the, the posters were still, you know, in high demand. Um, and then like year by year, it just like the, the Mondo con started to get a little bit weaker until it just disappeared completely. Um, in like what, 2019 or something like that pre pandemic. That was the last one, I believe, um, mm-hmm. at the Palmer event center here in Austin. Yeah. And by then, like nobody really had any new prints going on like the artists weren't weren't bringing new things and like the the actual mondo gallery uh or excuse me the mondo uh produced prints were getting a little bit you know they, they started to mine the same ip a little bit um and and uh or like I mean, how many things super obscure how many dracula prints can you get like like there was <laughs> when they lived high on the hog um they were releasing like they released a parasite print like before the movie even opened in the mm-hmm. u.s like and it still sold out yeah, that's how crazy it was. Like no one, like I think, a handful of people had seen it at Fantastic Fest, mm-hmm. um, and then they released the print. I believe it's the Pomeranian print. If you're familiar yep. with that one, yeah. Um, I don't know who the artist is, but like that was balls. Um, and then I believe the last pr- well, I bought the I bought their timed uh, Spider Verse that just yeah. dropped. But the last print I bought from them was Weird, the Al Yankovic story, and that print didn't sell out, which is mind-boggling that actually happened with the last print that i bought from them too which was a print of first reformed uh Uh the paul schrader ethan hawk movie uh and that did not that eventually sold out i think after a while and so you know i i think there have been other galleries that have surpassed what mondo was doing in recent years um uh like I, i mean we'll just mention it bottleneck i think has been like outclassing them for several years now um, but I mean, the thing remains is that even though Mondo had been kind of, you know, weakening a little bit, you know, prior to the acquisition, I mean, they were still, they're still responsible for, you know, this whole AMP stuff taking off. I mean, you know, right. for, for me personally, like these prints are one of like the two or three things that I collect period, <laughs> you know, I, I collect vinyl and I collect, you know, these prints and, and Mondo was at the forefront of all of that. Like, you know, for every, you know, private commission that we have on our walls and then for, you know, galleries like Bottleneck and and Hero Complex and Gallery 1988 and, and Spoke Art and all these different places, like, yeah. you know, they wouldn't be around without 
Mondo. I think that a lot of these like limited edition t-shirt companies that that I also sometimes mm -hmm. buy from would not be around without Mondo. And so, um, you know, their influence on the culture and, and just kind of like this hobby that we both love is so uh, is so clear. And it is a bummer, even though I hadn't purchased I've purchased one thing from Mondo in the last like three years. Uh, it's still a bummer. Yeah, I mean, you know, the you mentioned the falling off, and I mean, I don't it, this don't picture that don't interpret this as like dancing on a grave or anything, right? Because right. it's certainly not. Um, and you you have mentioned the 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 outclassing, and I think that was probably one of the most frustrating parts of dealing with the company was, first of all, instant sellouts before, mm -hmm. which was bonkers. But you know, that's the nature of that of that collectibles game, but waiting so long for something to come in like my wife gets on my case when a poster will show up and i'm like oh shit i forgot i ordered this because yeah. that's how long it would take like i i when weird weird uh, weird the alley story premiered in i believe november something on like roku that. and they released the poster like a week before and it still hasn't arrived <laughs> yeah which i mean is I've ordered things from a flat file sale that took yes. like three or four months <laughs> to get here. Yeah. And look, look, I, again, this is nothing on the 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 you know the influence of the company and the just the the idea that it wasn't necessarily um, um, I don't want to say customer friendly, but it was just sort of like you you had to wait. You knew you had to wait mm -hmm. and get it like. Again, dealing with someone like Bottleneck, who I guess they tr they trade a little more um, in the kind of mainstream stuff than Mondo has lately. I was going back through Mondo's Twitter account, um, and some of the the posters they released in the last few months, like uh, the House of the Flying Guillotine or Master of the Flying Guillotine, um, a trip to the moon. <laughs> like I think they recently did like an A twenty four series. Uh, yeah, well. that was last year, I believe. Mm -hmm. um they've mined the peanuts well pretty pretty um pretty deeply which is cool they take old um print old uh panels and make them into prints but which if you read the some of the articles like that mm -hmm. was part of the stuff that apparently funko wasn't into i'm curious if that's why if because they don't have the license for that and they couldn't capitalize because super seven has the peanuts toy license mm -hmm. um anyway super seven uh at the last i maybe it was the last mondo show i went to uh was a peanuts one of the last mondo gallery shows i went to was a peanut show and super seven was there mm -hmm. like selling as well like selling their figures but like they they did get more esoteric and like the vinyl um you know uh the vinyl has, has taken more of a presence um you know but like i can't tell you how refreshing it is sometimes it, it having been in this hobby for whatever seven eight years now something like that maybe closer to 10 uh, when you order something from bottleneck gallery and you get a shipping notification for it, like a couple minutes later yeah. or maybe two days later, um, you know, so the game is still out there. It's just that maybe, maybe Mondo isn't doing it anymore. I, I would, it'd be weird for them to buy the brand and shutter it completely, especially for the poster business. Cause I think that's the one that, you know, that like, that's what they hang their hat on. And that's mm -hmm. that like Mondo was bought, just before San Diego Comic-Con last year, and they still had a presence at the Funko booth there. There's yeah. a lot of really, and a lot of people in the hobby really angry at Funko, mm -hmm. um, which I don't quite understand. I mean, I, I guess just to lash out at somebody, but, you know, I, I thought Funkos, I mean, Funkos are, I mean, they're 
they've taken over collectibles if you go to any sort of collectible show but there are some decent ones out there that in and I get that people are upset about this and I think that the difficulty with the sort of mo model of Mondo is that is that you know because they're limited edition you're sort of like they're they're capping the amount of money that they can make and the scarcity of it all drives up the secondary value which you don't see any of if you're Mondo and so like right. it's it doesn't really benefit them to keep it limited uh at least financially mm -hmm. uh and so you know, I, I always wondered how, like, how sustainable a model like that is um, when you're not doing timed editions and making the max amount of money that you possibly can, and making everyone happy who wants one. Like, it just just seems like a win-win thing, and and that is the one thing that draws me back about the hobby in general is just the the um, you know the insistence on scarcity, uh, which doesn't it, it makes you know consumers pissed off because they sell out instantly, and then. Uh, it, it it leaves like money on the table basically well you know i mean and i it's really comparable to the limited edition sneaker market um which i i don't partake in i mean i dabble in getting weird shoes that i want but um i don't know how how different i mean i assume the production cost on a poster is uh significantly less than a pair of sneakers um it seems like you could just once you're printing them you could just keep printing them Right, but I don't know. Um, it is it is a bummer if indeed the poster business does um, go away. You know, I never had any connection. I've I've met the guys. I've brushed against brushed past them. The creatives, um, you know, that's never, never, never. It's never a good thing when the the founders get pushed aside. Um, I mean, it's it's an unfortunate reality of an acquisition, uh, oftentimes, but. Um, you know, there's still there's still strong players in the poster game. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I, I mean, it's probably been ten to one how much I've purchased from Bottleneck over Mondo in the last three four years. It's that and commissions versus Mondo, right? Are both ten to one for me for yeah. sure. Um, but it probably does suck. More. It does suck, and and I really do miss the Mondo Con. That was yeah, that was fun. It was a really hyper specific convention. Uh, where you could pick up stuff like maybe you hadn't seen before, you hadn't seen in years, or um, you know, well, just kind of. And and they had a cool thing too, where they would have a uh, they would have movie screenings, and you would oh, buy yeah. a ticket, and you would get a poster, but it was they would reveal it at the end of the movie. So like, mm -hmm. you were getting a mystery poster, which had a cool feel to it, and like the energy in those. I went to the Ex Machina one and got and got that, and that was cool. Yeah, I was. Uh, we were both there, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, and I, uh, I went to the, the first one I ever went to was um, Batman, Batman right? uh, Mask of the Phantasm. Oh no, sorry, the Batman nineteen eighty nine. And I got it. That was my first, uh, yeah, the first uh, exclusive variant poster I got. And then there was another Batman the animated series a few years later. And then um, I can't remember if I went to anyone any other ones. There was a Goonies one that I know has become really popular. A Tyler Stout Goonies. Mm -hmm. um, I just don't care for Goonies. I didn't want to sit through Goonies. Yeah, but uh, anyway, yeah, it's a bummer. Um, I think the the hobby will live on, but there's a lot of very upset people now, and it's understandable. Yeah, I mean, and a, but again, like the you know the whole this whole art you know alternative movie poster or print, you know, just like the whole idea of it was was just you know Mondo giving these like really talented artists an opportunity to an opportunity to create you know new art from you know movie posters being boring for many many years, <laughs> uh, and so. Uh, 
and and it's again something that I love. I mean, it's my, my both of our walls are littered with you know oh. prints from the gallery and then stuff mm. that inspired it. I mean, I yeah, I mean, I started um, in in high school and college with one sheets. Mm-hmm. Me too. That I would buy from um, <laughs> Suncoast Motion Picture Company. If you remember, good old Suncoast Motion Picture Company. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, as they started to get really boring and floating heady. Um, I kind of tapered off, and then with with this Mondo coming around, like the first print I bought, I actually have sold, but it was a, a Back to the Future two print that I loved. Um, I've since gotten ones that I liked better, which means they fall out of rotation. But yeah, I mean, it's um, it lives literally all over these walls. It's stuff that's either directly from Mondo or inspired by it. Uh, so it's yeah. hopefully the poster business lives on. Hopefully the creatives move on to something else. And, I hope so. Um, then there's one more poster place to buy from. Yeah, never a bad thing. Yeah. I don't believe in the scarcity of it all. I think that's stupid. So I don't. Uh, well, unless I'm trying to sell something for a lot of money after the fact. But <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, all right. Let's go ahead and move on to reviews. Here are this week's reviews. This week we have John Wick. I almost screwed it up. This week we have John Wick Chapter Four. <laughs> so, you want to kill him? You want to kill him? I want to kill him. <laughs> what about you, Mr. Vic? I'm going to kill you. Oh, for better, of course, yeah. <laughs> but it looks like we have ourselves a, a genuine conundrum. <laughs> a quandary, if you will. A real-life dilemma. <laughs> so... I thought we'd play a game. One hand. The winner decides who lives and who does not. <laughs> this is, of course, the fourth entry in the John Wick series, which uh, I forgot began in 2014. I thought it was newer than that. Uh, mm-hmm. So we're about a decade into this. Um, I, I Man, I have not revisited the first any of the the movies so far, but I forgot how relatively small scale the first movie was mm-hmm. uh, reading about it. And like the, the main villain was um, uh, uh, the guy from um, girl, with the dragon tattoo, the Swedish edition, yes. um, Michael Nyquist. And I think it had, uh, um, uh, yeah, it had Alfie Allen in it and like, uh, yeah, oh, yeah, it had a crazy cast of Alfie Allen, Adrian Pilecki, uh, Bridget Moynihan and Dean Winters. Uh, John Leguizamo and Willem Dafoe in it. I, I mean, don't remember fuck. Teen Winters in that movie. <laughs> I don't. Rem- I, I don't remember him either. I do remember John Leguizamo, and I remember thinking, at watching this fourth one, like, hey, what's up with John Leguizamo's character? Because he was like our first like entry into like, oh, you guys fucked up. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, this is the fourth movie. Um, uh, I mean, I don't know what to say about it, but you can. It's. I guess the biggest one yet, Cody. Uh, yeah. Tell us about John Wick Chapter Four and what you thought of it. Yeah, I mean, I think the the whole thing with John Wick as a series is that it's, you know, it's not about the narrative, it's about the world building that you get with it, right? Because the narrative remains very simple, right? Which is just, you know, uh, the whole thing starts with, you know, essentially like, you know, John John Wick's dog getting killed and, and mm-hmm. he's out for revenge. And then basically the whole movie kind of just slowly follows that thread. Um, and, and then, and, and then as you go along, you have like the, the rest of the details colored in, which is like, you know, it's, you know, you have the whole like 
you know, uh, I guess what assassin hotel that you have with the <laughs> continental, uh, and then you get like different locations in the continental and then it becomes where, you know, they're trying to, uh, they're trying to, uh, they kick John Wick out and then, uh, uh, you know, for the last basically two movies, he's been on the run. Um, he was excommunicado because he killed someone on the consecrated grounds of the right. Continental, right? Which happened in John Wick 2, right? Yes. Um, then, yeah. And then he was and, on the run in 3. Yeah, basically in this, at the end of the second one is when they activated everybody. Okay, yeah. Also, there, Common was in the second one, and they left him bleeding on a subway. And I don't—I wonder mm. if Common will ever be back. I don't know, uh, but 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 <laughs> like you know, you just get the coloring in of the world building. Well, where like you'll have characters like you're describing who just pop up in one movie and then don't really appear again, or um, or even within the same movie. Which is like I think the thing that I liked about this one was that. You know, it almost feels like you're watching like like bite-sized episodes of TV where yeah. you know like you you'll you'll like you know one part starts uh like this movie starts off with like the the uh, a, a, a continental hotel in Japan and then like there's this super long action sequence and then you have like a middle part that happens what you see in the clip with like Scott Atkins who plays like this over the top cartoony villain um and then <laughs> once you get past that you have like the third thing which is um you know which is happening it's a little bit like where the the sort of heat turns up on John Wick a little bit in the third, and so it really is. You know, even though the movie is two hours and like fifty minutes, mm-hmm. um, I think because it's broken up almost like a TV show, it's like you're watching maybe like three episodes of TV. Um, so it like it, it kind of resets and refreshes every so often, and then it's each accompanied by like a super uh, lengthy action sequence. Um, and so I did appreciate the continued world building here. I think that you get the addition of some characters that work really, really well. I think that the, the sort of highlight of the movie is, is Donnie Yen, who mm-hmm. um, I believe this is his first appearance in the series. Yes. Um, where, uh, where he plays like a, a, a blind assassin who is, uh, who's basically hunting, trying to hunt down uh, John Wick in order to save his own family. Um, and he pops up a few times throughout the movie as, as his, like an old friend turned nemesis that I think, um, you know, he, clearly he's having a ton of fun. Uh, he gets a couple of really funny one-liners, one of the best uh, fuck-offs in a movie yes, in, a, in yes. quite some time. That's what I was going to say. Uh, which is uh, expertly delivered. Um, I, I like, like, you see that clip in, in, in Scott Atkins, who I, I guess is like a very prominent action movie star, but I feel like maybe outside of the Hollywood realm. Uh, I'm not, I was not familiar with Scott Atkins um, before this. Yeah, so um, he's he's, like, he's in a fat suit, by the way. He is in a fat. You can't suit. tell. <laughs> you you can yeah. tell when you watch, but uh, right. But if you yeah, if you if you don't know who Scott Atkins is, he's not a big giant fat guy. He's yeah, clearly but, in a fat suit. But he's like a martial arts guy, like a lot of direct to video stuff. Looking at his like Wikipedia, but but I think mm-hmm. like well known for his his fight choreography and stuff like that. Was and he's it like mm-hmm. was was Boban uh, in the last one? He was in the he third was in one. Bo- yeah. Third one, yeah. It's 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 like ugly white dudes. Yeah, it's like we get the ugliest white dudes. We, I mean, Scott Atkins isn't ugly, but like everybody else is like an ugly white European guy. Yeah, reminds yeah, me they, of Luke Besson movies. Yeah, <laughs> and there's a lot of that in in, in Chapter Three, um, mm-hmm. Chapter Three Parabellum. Um, but anyway, um, but I, I, I like that guy is like chewing some major scenery in that. Uh, there's like a poker sequence in the middle mm-hmm. of the movie, um, and I think uh, you know, I like I said, I appreciate the world build, building. I think that Lawrence Fishburne is like having a blast in this movie. 
um, just kind of being ridiculous and in general. And then you get Ian McShane, who's kind of continues. He's been like the common thread throughout these movies. And um, and I think you know what what really everyone comes for here is the action sequences. And I think that there's uh, a couple of like show stopping action sequences. I actually feel like. M- in terms of action stuff, I actually prefer John Wick 3 a little bit, I think, um, even though there are some, like, really great ones here. I don't love that there's one extended one that happens. Like, there's some cool Donnie Yen stuff in the first one in the hotel, but I think it actually starts a little bit slow, and I think the only time the movie feels like it drags during its runtime is um, is during that segment. Um, well, yeah, it's, it's not – it's very John Wick light, in that mm-hmm. segment. So it's very not connected to John Wick. Like he doesn't get involved in that segment until almost the end of it. Almost the end of it. Yeah. But it starts to kick up like, you know, the the one with the Scott Atkins is is cool, but then like towards the final act of the movie, it's basically like nearly an <laughs> hour of just like nonstop action and it's different set pieces too, right? So like there's like three different set pieces basically during that time. Um, you know, one of which is this like crazy ass uh <laughs> car uh car sequence where they're the in, arc de triomphe yeah yes in in paris and um and uh and basically they're just kind of like dodging cars and then using cars as weapons and like doing all sorts of crazy shit which is really cool it then goes into my favorite sequence of the movie which is um where John Wick basically takes out an entire apartment. Uh, oh yes, that rules. Yeah, and and and, and it's done. So he, basically, it's done from like an aerial shot um, from above. It almost it looks like like a like what a third person video game. I guess it would be technically. Uh yeah, it's. I mean, we've seen it before, and we we commented on it before in like El Camino. Yes, yeah, where you can kind of like see the set of it. Yeah, yeah, it's and, like yeah, it's all it's like you're looking at a blueprint of the building. Essentially. Yeah. yeah. And, and basically, he's moving in and out through the apartment, killing dozens of people. And then at one point, he gets like it's called like the dragon's breath, ammo, which is, like, <laughs> which is uh, ammo that's exploding into fire. So every time you shoot someone, they they burst. Into I mean, flames. you you see like these, I don't know if they're like French rednecks like building it. Yeah, and you're like, oh fuck, this is gonna be awesome when it when it gets yeah. unleashed. Like and yeah. like the the like that entire thing is filled with that. Yeah, it rules. And, it, and, it, and it is awesome. Uh, and yeah. I think it's the best sequence of the movie. Uh, it, it's it's a like a lot of it is a one take, and then the they like change perspective, and then they go back up to do another one take of it, and it's really cool. Um, there's a great sequence after that, then that uh, happens on a staircase, um, which uh, which is awesome. And then you get a little bit more Donnie Yen then, and I think mm-hmm. you know just like the last hour is just balls to the wall, super fun. Um, and, uh, and, and, and kind of leads to the conclusion. So, you know, for me, it's never about the story though. I did find the story engaging. I, I, I like, uh, I like the presence of Bill Skarsgård and what his character is doing. And I, and I like, um, you know, there's, there's some like unexpected turns in the story and, you know, Keanu Reeves is, 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 you know, his, again, very simple dialogue and, 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 you know, very he, short reaction. It feels like he says like like ten lines in the whole movie. Yeah, he says yeah a few times. That's like a third of his yeah. dialogue. Um, but I, I, you know, I think it's just it's just an example of you know these movies are uh, are serious, but not to the point where they won't have fun. I think that the story is simplistic, but not boring. I think that the action is in- exciting and engaging, and I just think that uh, you know it's. I have I have very few complaints. My like I said, I think it drags a little in the first 
third of the movie um and i think once you hit that middle point with like the with like the poker game um it's like the foot's on the gas and it doesn't let up until it's done yeah uh i I mean i agree i think it's um the the poker scene kind of kicks everything off it does uh, a little bit and this is the minorest of complaints kind of veer into that like what the fuck is everybody not paying attention to like mm-hmm. like all the public like that car the arc de triomphe scene like the cars would have stopped i mean i get it it's an action movie but like <laughs> this thing goes on for like 10 minutes and the cars are just still rolling around anyway that, that's minor stupid complaints um yeah i think it's um again it's 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 world building in a complex way, but it doesn't get ever get bogged down in it. And I Mm-mm. think that's something that that is really admirable for this, because this could have devolved into like like, for example, the, at the screening, they handed out these gold coins for us, like the John Wick gold coins. Mm-hmm. Like the movie never fucking explains why they use these gold coins, which I don't think a gold coin appeared at all in this movie. Now There's I- one in the very beginning when um, when uh, someone checks into the Tokyo Oh, okay. Uh, the Osaka. Yeah. Yeah. Osaka. When, when, when uh, Mr. Nobody or whatever that guy's character. Oh, that's right. We didn't even mention him, by the yeah. way. Um, he He's, I feel like if there's an extraneous character, it's him. Mm-hmm. Um, he's sort of like this, uh, like there's the, the, the tracker he's, or he kind of goes by, but he calls himself Mr. Nobody and he's got a dog too. Um, much like Halle Berry's dogs in three, but uh, he, um, He's kind of the the outside observer of John Wick, mm-hmm. I guess. Uh, anyway, um, but yeah, there's this entire world building thing that's happening, but it doesn't. It, again, it doesn't get bogged down. It never tells you why there's this massive cabal of assassins that runs throughout the world. Like, why is everybody an assassin? Why is uh, why are instructions uh, distributed via rockabilly girls on a switchboard uh, and one uh, radio announcer mimicking uh, whatever her name is from the Warriors? <laughs> Oh yeah. Uh, um I mean it's it's bonkers weird shit. Um but it it just sort of trudges along and expects you to not trudges but like speeds along and expects you to just keep up. And it's really admirable and, it's, and the action is so well done. Um I mentioned in when we talked about part 3 um very video game inspired like that the final scene where he's like climbing levels and basically fighting Really yeah. reminded me of the old Nintendo game Koo, if you ever played that. That's basically what you do is you climb levels and just fight your way through stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, the staircase scene in this one, um, I I don't think it's better than the, like viscerally better than that apartment scene that you're talking about where it, the dragon's breath. But fuck, is it like, like stressful and well done and the, hilarious at the same there's time? A couple, yeah, there's a couple moments in it that, that really like got the theater that I was in like like laughing uh I don't want to give anything away think but, yeah. yeah think of um of uh if you will sideshow bob stepping on the rake <laughs> yeah and when he just keeps going and keeps stepping on more rakes yeah. I mean, that's kind of the the similarity like it's absurd at first and then it it gets like okay this is annoying and then it turns into hilarious yeah um you know um I know there's more spinoffs coming. Uh, there's the Continental um, TV series that's coming. That's like a prequel. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the ballerina movie with uh, Anna de Armas. Mm-hmm. Um, 
which I found out takes place between John Wick 3 and 4. I did that too. Uh, Also directed by Lynn Wiseman, who did the Underworld movies, which I'm curious how this is going to work out. Yeah. Um, But then, like, there is, um, and without giving anything away, there's, there's a bit of finality in this movie in certain aspects that I was not expecting. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm wondering, I just kind of wonder why. Yeah. I mean, this is a huge opening. Um, the movie's never really been concerned with kind of, the movies have never really been concerned with wrapping up a plot. Um, I mean, like, it's just sort of like different missions. Like, you know, John, you did finish this one, but there's still more motherfuckers coming. Yeah, um, like a James Bond or something like that. Yeah, so I'm curious. I'm curious why. I don't think it takes anything away from it. Um, I am just kind of wondering what the decision making process was with that. Yeah, especially as you're expanding the IP, um, mm-hmm. it it does seem like an odd, uh, uh, an odd uh, uh, kind of way to end. But you know, I, I, I should just point out. Sorry that I'm real quick that I'm wearing a John Wick T-shirt. That's oh, that's why I'm dressed so formally. Okay, I didn't even notice. Um, wow. Yeah, so sorry. I should have been paying attention. Um, <laughs> I noticed yeah, no, you're going the distance hat, Cody. But thank you. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I th- that's a that's a fair point. But I think you know, at the same time, um, you know, uh, well, I, I can't, I, I can't really open up on it without. I, I don't want to spoil anything. I just, yeah. I'm, and and there's not. To be clear, I I don't think that that any of this is a problem. I just no. wonder why. Yeah, that's that's a fair thing, but you know, I think, you know, the thing I think I think you made a really good point, which is that there's a lot of world building, but none of it's like overly complex. None of you like it doesn't get bogged down in the details. You don't have to spend thirty minutes, you know, trying to understand, you know, a, a certain like policy of the continental or <laughs> yeah. like history of it or anything, which I appreciate because it it just it just every movie just kind of pads it out a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. Um, while uh, while sort of like um, you know having one foot in the grounded reality of it, and then having one foot in the complete absurdity of this guy wiping out dozens and dozens dozens of. Uh, I, I wonder of how someone wrote a story on how many people he actually killed over the course of the movies. I haven't looked that up mm. yet, but I yeah. mean it's it's an it's an absurd number of of deaths at the hand of hands of John Wick. Yeah, and I think that the the thing that maybe this one is missing a little bit is like is like no one no one throughout the movie seems to really fear him everyone is more like going after him um which in the previous movies like every time he his name is uttered it's like an oh shit kind of yeah. thing and that that element is missing a little bit from this which i kind of i, I do miss a little bit but you know it's what yeah i i hadn't thought of that till you brought it up the whole baba yaga thing is not really mm-hmm. uh yeah, because like the first movie, like I mentioned, John Leguizamo is the first one in the in the first movie. It's like, oh, you fucked up. Yeah, like you really fucked up. Like this is John Wick's car. What the fuck did you do? Like yeah. he's coming to destroy you. Yeah. Um. Anyway, what is your grade for John Wick Chapter Four, Cody? Yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I in, in my, I'm of the opinion that they keep getting better and better as they go along. And so three was my favorite previously. I do think three probably is my favorite still mm-hmm. but i think this one is right there with it um i am giving it a b plus i think like these are just super super high quality action movies yeah b plus for me too i don't know that i have a favorite um I, i'm gonna be honest they all kind of run together for me um you know I, and i think the the movies are kind of unapologetic about that um 
but I think this one, like the fanat, like some of the the elements that they like wrap up in this movie, leave me feeling a little odd. Um, not in a bad way, and not in a like. And again, I don't think there's any anything wrong with it. It just I, I don't necessarily. I feel like maybe some of it was premature. I don't know. Sure. I don't know what to. I it just, it's a weird choice to me. But B plus. Um, and yeah, and that's gonna do it for this week, Cody. Next week. Yeah, we've got a couple uh, stacked weeks coming up here, which I'm excited to get back to our multi-review um, episodes. So uh, so next week we'll have uh, Dungeons & Dragons Honor Among Thieves. Which I uh, uh, talked about briefly, saw it South by Southwest, and I believe you already saw it too. Yes, I saw it yesterday. So um, we've got that. We have uh, Tetris, the oh, yes. Apple TV uh plus is it apple tv plus now yeah right it's apple tv plus yeah yeah apple tv plus movie um also debuted at south by southwest um and uh and uh that i think looks interesting and then we have a french movie that i saw at fantastic fest uh last year that i had a lot of fun with that i want to re uh uh kind of rediscover uh called smoking causes coughing um that uh that is also out next week Cool. Um, all right. If you want to reach us, you can email us at podcast.cinesnob.net. Find us on Twitter at Cinesnob, Facebook Cinesnob.net, uh, YouTube.com slash Cinesnob. Cody, anything else before we go? Yeah. Our coverage is is all on uh, oh, yes. News 4 San Antonio and FoxSanAntonio.com. Uh, I've got uh, uh, this week was posted a uh, Best of the Festival recap, my top five favorite movies from South By, as well as a full review for a movie called You Sing Loud, I Sing Louder. Oh yes, my uh, review of um, of Dungeons and Dragons is already out there. Uh, you can see what I thought of it. Uh, plus, uh, Disturbance in the Force just got published this week. Uh, yeah, so go check that out. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, on that note, I am Jared Kingery. I'm Cody Vifania. Thank you for listening to the Cine Snob Podcast. To read reviews, interviews, and more, visit cinesnob.net. See you next week.